please be advised. We will be discussing subjects that may not be suitable for all audiences, and will include subjects that some will find challenging, traumatic, or triggering. Welcome to You Don't Fight Alone, a podcast sharing the stories of those of us successfully living with mental illness and how we got there. I was in the kitchen. I was, it was mid-afternoon. I believe I was preparing a bottle of formula for my son. And I remember looking over at a set of kitchen knives in the block. And I'm looking at it and I actually remember thinking to myself, which seems insane, but I looked at that large chef's knife and thought I could just end it and it would be done. is postpartum depression. So as a standard part of postpartum care, about six weeks after you have a child, you'll go for a visit with your OBGYN. And because this is something that's relatively common, there's actually a questionnaire. And you usually do have to mention something about your particular struggles that you're feeling if, if you are feeling depressed in any way and they go through a series of questions. And it's one of those things where because when you're mired in it, you're thinking, well, doesn't everyone this feel this way? After they've had a child, you feel like it, well, yes, I'm sleep deprived and I'm you know, having difficulties with remembering things and I'm doing something stressful. So yeah, doesn't everybody want to just occasionally give up and run away and perhaps think that they're worthless? Isn't that normal? Apparently those are markers for dealing with postpartum depression. So that is when I would say would be my initial diagnosis, I would say, because even after that, you do think there's a certain sort of perfunctory um, part of it, since it is part of the postpartum care. It's it's kind of the flip side. You're thinking, well, they have to ask you these questions, and then you get this form. And um, so, of course, too, I'm thinking, well, you know, it, it, it'll get better. It'll get better because, especially with postpartum, you're, you're thinking, well, if this is what I'm dealing with, then it has to get better, right? Because by its nature, it's temporary. But there's some things you can't just 100% wait out for them to improve. And that's kind of what I realized. It wasn't a matter where at that point, I started seeking treatment right away. I the, the doctor said, this might be what you're dealing with, just based on my experience. But I did not seek treatment for a few more months. So that's why I say initial diagnosis. I might have misphrased. I didn't, it didn't change. Um, it was more my 
acceptance that that was what I was dealing with that changed. So when you are going through um, that postpartum period, which again, you're sleep deprived, you're in some cases, not all, um, you're doing something new and frightening. You're caring for a small, helpless being. So you have this sense of responsibility, but also you're, you're feeling like you can't do anything right. And so you're thinking, well, of course, you're experiencing all these stressors. Naturally, you're going to have some issues in handling it. But I'll get better with handling it. I'll learn. I'll grow. It will be fine. But even though your sleep does improve, even though you start to get a little bit more of the hang of it, that doesn't automatically mean that suddenly you're dealing with everything better. And that was my experience. I felt like I was my external circumstances were improving, but my internal circumstances were actually worsening. I had never had suicidal ideations or anything prior. I had never thought to myself that that that's something I had never experienced and it scared me because I didn't I I knew that that wasn't my rational mind talking that that some something else was at play and so it was at that point that I decided I would um, get in touch with a therapist and be more proactive about my mental health at that point because it became quite clear to me just with that thought that I was not operating in my right mind. I was not myself. I will say I only went to a couple of therapy appointments as a result of that because I was, because of the hurdles in seeking treatment at a time when your schedule's in flux, when your body's in flux, when a lot of things were in flux. Some personal to my situation, but I think every single person I've talked to regarding um, dealing with postpartum issues has described the additional challenges that that can pose. Part of my, in, in terms of clinical treatment that I received, yes. I did not go on any medication that's partly complicated by the fact that you can only take certain things when breastfeeding. So that's another hurdle that can come up in regards to postpartum care. But for me, a lot of it was being honest about my mental, emotional, and physical needs in that you, when you have a baby, your, your focus is, well, you're trying to keep the baby alive, Right which I think you have to remember you got to keep yourself alive too. It's the whole, you know, put on your oxygen mask first analogy. And it's very easy to forget. And I think sometimes when dealing with depression, it's even easier to forget because it's like, well, I don't matter. I'm like, at least I can do this. At At least that's the one thing I can do. But you are kind of neglecting yourself. And so... I did make a point of it to 
make sure I was reaching out to friends. I'm a very social person by nature. I realized I needed to be connecting with people outside my house. Um, there is a bit of a cabin fever aspect of it too that I think me and any of my friends who have been through um, PPD have described where you feel um, – you know, those walls kind of closed in on you. It doesn't matter how big your house is. It doesn't matter how many people you have helping you. There's just that feeling that your your walls are around you and they're closing in. I had to tell friends I was struggling. I, you know, I did go to a couple of therapy sessions, which were helpful. But sometimes, even just the act of admitting that I need help, I'm not dealing with this well, I'm struggling. That alone was helpful. And this might be fairly specific, but I hope it's helpful to someone. Um, for me, um, breastfeeding was actually a big component of it. I think it threw off my hormone balance. I noticed a marked difference once I stopped because I did end up getting a job. I went back to work. My ability to breastfeed was limited, and the whole time anyways, I had to supplement with formula. I couldn't just do it the natural way and so much of the societal programming right now is just about if you can't do this the right way the natural way then you're a failure everything is geared toward the if you don't do x if you don't do y if you don't do z you're a failure no wonder so many people go through postpartum depression because the entire um the entire mommy industry is geared around the, uh, like with almost any industry, I think, there's all this programming that you are not inherently good enough. If you are even slightly struggling with the idea, the, the fears that most um, parents have that will I measure up? Will I be a good parent? Will I be able to take care of my child? And you're getting all this programming and you're dealing with hormone imbalances. It's just a really great recipe for ending up really screwed up in your head. like me, who is trying to essentially project manage an infant, it went about as well as you think it would. So I, and, and part of that thing was I could use my brain at work to do the, to do those things that my brain was wanting to do. I could plan and execute and have schedules and I could project manage my projects so that freed me up in, in a few ways from the expectations I had of myself to be doing everything right with my son and mostly focus on what was right for me 
with my son. And the thing is, I actually haven't talked about him much because he was doing just fine. He was healthy. He was happy. He was hitting all of his developmental milestones. He was he was progressing along great. He didn't want to sleep, but that that's a baby. That's what they do, not sleep. So, <laughs> um, so once I kind of freed myself a little bit of perhaps that expectation I had of myself. Um, I mean, expectations of him thinking, okay, well, I've tried this, that didn't work. So I'm going to try something new. And if that doesn't work, then I try something new. And the thing is the children too, you can try something and it works until it doesn't. I made a conscious decision. I wasn't going to continue breastfeeding because for me it was a very stressful and um, defeating process. And when really it was a matter of freeing myself from expectations that actually weren't really based in reality but were based upon opinion that that were based perhaps my erroneous ideas of what motherhood should be and instead I focused on well what's best for my son and what's best for myself what's best for our family yes I'm struggling with depression right now it is tough and I need to reach out and get help things kind of started to come together and I did feel it's a cliche but like the fog lifted and and suddenly I was feeling like myself again a more sleep-deprived version of myself, but still, uh, I I felt like me. I, I felt like I I didn't feel that weight of failure anymore. I felt like, well, I might screw some things up here and there, but my son's doing well, and I need to focus on that. get a lot of messaging about what should be right but sometimes it's about being honest with yourself and honest about what your child is putting out there they they can't talk when they're very tiny most of us when dealing with postpartum depression are dealing with pre-verbal children which can be part of it too you're trying to figure out what do you need what do you want constantly and so you And sometimes that I don't know is part of what contributes to it because you're doing everything to um, figure out what is happening with your baby and why can't I fix it. So part of it is recognizing there's nothing necessarily to fix. It's just paying attention, doing your best, and sometimes recognizing that you're not going to get it right, honestly, most of the time. You're dealing, you're dealing with a little human. And so you pay attention to the things that you can. You feed them, clothe them, change their diapers, make sure that they've got a comfy place to sleep, etc. In terms of specifically what I realized with my son, he was not a cuddler. 
He liked being held, but he didn't like being held for long periods of time. A lot of modern parenting, uh, if you're familiar with attachment parenting, is very centered around the idea of skin-to-skin contact, baby wearing, um, you know, and I got a sling. I was thinking, okay, I'm going to I'm going to, you know, make sure that he feels connected to me. The thing is, my son um, was very squirmy. He wanted to move. He wanted to be free. He did not particularly enjoy being swaddled. He, if it was a matter of being held on my chest or rolling around on the floor, he preferred the latter. And he rolled over after three and a half months because he just wanted to be rolling on the floor. So, so part of it was recognizing I'm there's things that I'm trying to do, but I've got to pay attention to this little guy here who's telling me through his actions, I would just like to roll around on the floor a bit. I just, I want to go and explore and do. And that's kind of the interesting thing is about learning your child's personality because some kids love to be swaddled and held constantly. And and that was not my son. He also never slept a lot. Some when you look up what is average sleeping time for a newborn, which I did because I was worried, they say 10 to 20 hours. That's like a cable service window of time in terms of what you should expect. And I recognized that nobody knows anything when I read that. focused on this almost Silicon Valley disruptive style of trying to idealize the perfect way in which to do things, we get focused on performance improvement. And, And I think that directly contributes to so much of the, um, the mental anguish that a lot of And I will say parents, but I think particularly um, mothers experience because it's this dual expectation of you're going to do everything right and you have this, this, and right, and this, that right, but it should be natural for you. Sure, okay. (laughs) That works. Much of the information that, say, you would find from parenting blogs, mommy blogs, um, things in that genre – It's not about, if you didn't have insecurities about it, they wouldn't make any money. Think about the motive. Is this person truly trying to edify me, encourage me, help me with things that I may have questions about? Or is this trying to target things that I'm unsure about, insecure about, and as a result, um, sell me something, um, perhaps get me into a way of thinking that would make me more prone to, let's say, sign up for a bunch of classes. I think that there are things that can be helpful to people, absolutely. I took a couple of parenting classes at the hospital that were extremely helpful, and they came from a non-judgmental, encouraging place. And I think, I think 
looking for resources in that because there's no stopping you once you decide okay well I want to learn what I can you're you're going to look but I think I think the thing is looking for resources that are edifying to you and recognizing when it's just a matter of people trying to heap judgment onto each other in order to feel more superior. And for God's sake, stay off any Facebook discussion regarding anything parenting related. It's a morass of insecurity and judgment and people who are trying to feel better about their choices so they will deride other people's choices. I think if you if you are trying to be a good parent, you will likely be a good parent because you are making the attempt. You are thinking about it. Most bad parenting comes from neglect and comes from not caring about what you do with your child. It doesn't have to do with, okay, am I breastfeeding or formula or am I baby wearing or you know, free-range parenting or whatever. It's about are you trying to really do the best thing for yourself and your kid, recognizing that that is different for everybody. There's no formula that's going to work for everyone, and it took me a long time to really absorb that, that there's not one thing that's going to work for everybody. So, Yes, there's a lot of bullshit out there in terms of what you should do, what you shouldn't do. But I I think a lot of it is designed to make you not trust your gut. into that and rely on people who you know and who you know care about you reach out to the people who you know are in your corner and on your side because sometimes you can't trust your gut fully when you're dealing with depression when you're dealing with that fog so talk to the people who love you and don't pay attention to the noise of people who don't have anything invested in you or your child off the internet because it is a nightmare hellscape of people's opinions that don't matter you have to learn how to filter the noise I think I think that's one of the things that you really learn I I I think it's something everybody (laughs) kind of needs to learn but um when you're especially when you're in a very vulnerable place you don't recognize how vulnerable you are. And sometimes it's just just cutting off some of the information that's just not helpful. If, if I were to tell Melinda six and a half years ago, I would say, relax. It'll be okay. Your son's going to be fine and you're going to be fine too. You don't have to get everything 100% right for you to be a good mother. You don't have, this is not a test in school. This is not some sort of thing where you have to get a certain score and you pass and that's where you're okay. You don't have to get the seal of approval from anyone really except your child in a sense. 
the thing is, is that with babies, if you pay attention to them, they tell you how you're doing. But even that, you, you have to recognize they're small little beings. They're, they're trying to figure out things too. Give, your, give both of you a bit of grace. You can't troubleshoot a child like a computer issue. You can't say, oh, well, oh, the code's broken here. That's not the way children work. And, you know, who's nonverbal, they can't tell you what's wrong. They don't know what's wrong half the time. And you can do everything. You can feed them, change them, try to put them to bed, rock them, um, take them outside, take them for a drive. You can do all kinds of things. And sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. And sometimes what works yesterday won't work today because they are people. And sometimes it's recognizing that they're little people. They're going to do their own thing. They're, and in turn, you have to respond to them like they're people. Say, well, you're having a bad day. Because sometimes we all have bad days. And you can feed yourself and you can take a shower and you can do all those things. people who are telling you it will be all right because I did have those people in my life I was very fortunate but my brain didn't want to hear them my brain wanted to listen to to things that would validate that depression beast that would say yeah you're right you're not good enough you're not you're you're failing you you're not going to be a good parent you don't know how to do this you you should just really just give up maybe just leave that that might be the best and I think sometimes when you're in that low place, you kind of inadvertently seek out those things that validate that negative impression of yourself. Don't listen to that. It's not going to lead you anywhere good. If you're seeing something that's saying that you're worthless, that you're not measuring up, that you're failing, that recognize that, and I'm saying this to my past self, recognize that as the, the, the horrible enemy of yours that you don't want to listen to. It's not telling you the truth. It's just agreeing with the worst parts of you. Don't listen to those who agree with the worst parts of you. Listen to the people who love you who are telling you the things that you really do need to hear, even if you think they're wrong. They're not, but you you kind of wonder. So yeah, I would I would tell myself in the past to consider who really cares for me. If even if it wasn't myself at the time, and listen to those who really did. expectations of women that get kind of crystallized in this one particular moment 
where you're very vulnerable, you don't have the mental stamina at that point to fight against everything that's kind of conspiring against you messaging wise that you get all the time. I think especially as a woman in our culture, you're getting constant messages that you don't measure up, whether it's from, you know, parenting blogs, whether it's from beauty magazines, whether it's fashion, what, and, and these are just superficial examples. I could think of probably about 50 more if you gave me a chance, but, but suddenly you don't have the resilience to fight that anymore. And I think that's where a lot of it comes from, to be honest. I, I think it's, you are, you're constantly having to kind of be vigilant and saying, no, you know what? I can do these things. I'm capable. I am worthy. I am strong. And when you're in a moment where you're feeling vulnerable and weak and tired and doing something very scary, you do not have the capability many times to be fighting all that messaging that you're constantly getting that you're not good enough. You're not worth enough. You're not beautiful enough you know you're not you're not desirable enough all of these rules that you're supposed to fulfill and suddenly you can't fulfill them you can't there's so much joy to be found in the moments where things are good but we get so caught up in the things that could go wrong For more information, please visit youdon'tfightalone.org. The You Don't Fight Alone podcast is a production of You Don't Fight Alone Incorporated, produced and engineered by James Fisher and Keaton Lycom. The information presented by You Don't Fight Alone is not intended as medical advice. If you have mental health questions, please talk to a mental health professional.